Welcome back to the Border Guy Podcast. I'm your host, Private J. Thanks for tuning in. It has been a wild nine days in football for every team, but the last the last nine days for one particular team has been I think it's been as worse and as bad as you could possibly get. And I'm not talking about Carlton and I'm not talking about Brisbane. I'm talking about Port Adelaide. They've had a roller coaster nine days. It started off with their loss against Geelong over the weekend, and then it just went downhill even further. For those who don't know, the last uh, 72 to 72 hours, so this is the three things that really has rocked one football club, which usually doesn't happen that much in the space of a week. Maybe in the course of a season you might get this, but in a week it's just incredible. Of course, the Sam Power Pepper. Alleged incident has now been finally closed. Three games off. He's always served two, so it's only missing one more match. But the really big thing is Keith Thomas' press conference today. That was, for those who haven't checked it out, check it out now. It is, the only way I can really describe it is, it's raw. And I don't mean emotionally, I think a lot of anger but being uh, in the position that Keith Thomas is in, he has to be politically correct. But reading through the lines, and again, as a port supporter and someone that, you know, dabbles in media somewhat, I wouldn't be surprised if Port Adelaide doesn't sue Channel 7 for their reporting over the incident of Sam Powell Pepper. The AFL Integrity Unit has been squashed by David Coshwell over the last few days. So that's on. that's just one player, Sam Powell Pepper. Nightclub incidents, which was, there was no sexual assault, but that's what's been floated around and it's just not even remotely true. But the other two big issues now, on a player front, Todd Marshall is out indefinitely. Unfortunately, he's now lost his father. Um, his mother passed away several months ago and now has lost his father. So, only 19 and um, very difficult time for the young man, so wishing him all the best. And, of course, today, Hamish Hartlett, the spiritual, I won't call him a spiritual leader, but one of the toughest players in the AFL, gone down with an ACL for the season. That is 72 hours in Port Adelaide. As a fan, that's been a nightmare. Competition, you really don't get that in 72 hours, from president to chairman to players going off injured for the season to going back home to deal with tragedy. It has been a wild win for all Port Adelaide fans. Welcome podcast listeners, this is the Boring Guy podcast, it has been about a month and a bit since I lasted an episode and the reason why is I've been living under a rock, not wanting to face the fear of doing a whole season of the Premier League and the, the, the destruction and the complete and utter, I won't say sh- shit kicking, but the absolute disgraceful nature of the once great Manchester United. Now I'm a Manchester United fan. I'm not going to hide that from anyone, but I have some objectivity as well. And I will admit that the way we performed the last three years is not good enough to the standard that was once normal six or seven years ago in Manchester United. The last weekend's result against Southampton, for a lot of fans, is the clutch. It is the breaking of the camel's back, in essence. But I don't understand why the fans still stick by Jose. They critique the board, critique Ed Woodward for not spending more money for Jose, not letting have the place he wants, not allowing him 
to get rid of the players he doesn't want. Now, those names we've always known for a while were Anthony Martial, Paul Popper. Maybe there are others that we do not know about. I'm sure Eric Bay now fits into that list. I'm sure that Jesse Lingo, Marcus Rashford probably fit into this list. But, and you'll notice they'll create a flair place because Jose is not a creative flair manager. He's not even a coach in my honest eyes. Where has it all gone wrong? I know that there's a lot of fans that are saying, well, you know, he didn't get back to the summer market. He, you know, he just needs time. He's had three years. His playing style has actually regressed since last year. Manchester United currently have a minus goal difference, the worst start in 28 years, and are looking like a bottom-tier Premier League club at this point. They still have some of the best players in the world that are still playing for them, including Anthony Martial, including Juan Mata, Paul Popper, David De Gea. You have the likes of Nemanja Matic, who gets picked regularly when he's clearly not good enough, or he's clearly finished. And I will bet $5, 5 Australian dollars, that a new manager comes in, these players will be out the door because they will not have a future in Manchester United. And something you probably won't even believe that is Luke Shaw will be out the door. Now, I know it's a great comeback story. He's an English lad. But he does not fit what the new manager will have. And I'm going to give you a little sneak suspicion who I think will be the next Manchester United manager as early as the Arsenal result or by the end of the year. Luke Shaw... Although he's English, and I know we should support the English lads, there's something that I've never found appealing about Luke Shaw. Now he's on 120k a week, he's got to be scrutinised more, and it's got to be more pressure on him to retain his spot. Ashley Young is a filler player at best at 33. Same with Antonio Valencia. They're past their best by date, but they're squad players because of case of injuries. The big problem, though, is the next lot of players, they're on long contracts, they aren't good enough, and they don't support what Manchester United used to be. I'm using inverted commas, used to be, because they're, not longer, they're no longer this club of juggernauts that they used to be. Matic would not be in the top six of any Premier League club right now. Two or three years ago, yes, but right now, no. I don't think he's a top ten play, a top ten team in the Premier League right now. Romelu Lukaku. Yes, he has the worst first touch I've ever seen on a footballer. Yes, the funny jokes, the memes of him literally basically injuring himself, falling over the ball is hilarious. But what is more serious, though, is that he is not a top-four striker. This is the thing that Manchester United fans, who are Jose in, against the board, against particular players, I need this to know. Is Romelu Lukaku a top 10 striker in the world? And ask yourself that question very seriously. Take the objectivity out because he plays for Manchester. As a player, is he a top 10 player? No, he's not. He's not a top 10 striker in the world. He's bomb 30 as far as I'm concerned. And at 90 million pounds, 75 million plus add-ons, which equals 90 million, he is not good enough. Scott McTominay, yes, is an academy boy, but let's look at the size. What is he, 6'4", 6'5", tall, lanky, passes backwards. He is a younger resident on the Manning Manning, except slower, 
and not as creative. Now, my problem with Maddox, Tomney, Fellaini, Romelu Lukaku is not that they're bad players as far as they're bums that should not be in the Premier League, but you would struggle to put any of them in a top 10 side right now. You really, really would. How would I replace them? Well, very simple. Lukaku is bound for Italy. And I believe this would occur if a new manager came in. Now, the manager that I think that United want is Zinedine Zidane. Will they get him? No, they won't. Because Zidane will look at this Manchester United project and not look at it favourably. Not because they don't have talent, not because of the board, not because of Ed Woodward, the Glazers, or anyone in the department. It is because of one simple reason. Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich is looking for a new manager. Zinedine Zidane fits that style, fits that club better. He does not fit Manchester United. Antonio Conte, hell no. Not even going to be in this discussion. I know he's free, but he's not worth even a cent. So who are you looking at? Well, you're looking at three potential candidates. Laurent Blanc, Jardin, and Pochettino. Two of them you can get now. One you're going to have to get from Spurs, and it's going to be very tricky. Tricky to do that when Daniel Levy does not want to do business with Manchester United. Now, the only thing that I'm thinking, and I know it would be a wild, wild, it would probably never happen, but I would bank on it if they got Eric Bailly, plus cash reserves from Pochettino. Now, will it happen? I don't think it will. I don't think Levy will do that. But Spurs have an aging defence. Eric Bailly is 24. It seems like a logical fit. But will it occur? Not before the end of the season, and maybe not even then, because they're going to their new stadium. So that leaves to Jardin and Lomblanc. Who would I prefer? I'd prefer Lomblanc, because Lomblanc gives you that Manchester United spirit, because he used to play. He plays creative flair. He's won everywhere he's gone. And yes, he's only been in the French League. I know everyone likes to say it's a public. It's not good enough. I know that's just a really bad accent, but... The one with PSG, oh, everyone can win PSG. Yes, they can, but PSG have a lot of egos, and he handled them well as well as bringing in academy players. And that's the thing that I want to hammer home. Jose Mourinho Academy is a joke, beyond a joke. And one of my problems with him has always been young talent. He's always been abysmal at best at it. Laurent Blanc brought in some very talented players from PSG's academy. But this is the thing that I think everyone needs to get their head around for Manchester United to succeed in the future. A sporting director needs to come through. The Glazers need to sell to a, a Google, basically, or to an Amazon, to Jack Benzos, because that's the only way that the club is going to be successful long-term because the Glazers are not going to spend the money. Jose Mourinho days in... Manchester United are done. It will, it's only a mad time. Will it happen if they get beaten down, slapped down against Arsenal? No, that won't happen because they're still in the Champions League. Once they're out of the Champions League, then you might see Edward Wood and the board make that decision. But by then, you're looking at May, end of the season. So, unfortunately for all Manchester United fans, including myself, who want this mad out of our club, we're going to have to wait. And that also means that targets in January cannot be pursued at all. If you know the manager you want coming into the season, 
the 2019 season, you get the players they want now. You start studying, you start scouting them. If it's Nadine Zidane, this is what I would do. If you know he's the one, if you know you got him for certain, first thing you do is you call up Perez at Real Madrid, you give them an offer for Varane. Now, I know that sounds crazy because why would Varane want to leave Real Madrid? Well, I'm going with one reason and one reason only, sentimental. Because Zinedine Zidane found Varane. He's the one that scouted him and put him, to my memory, into Real Madrid. Because he was the sporting director before that and worked with the under-19-21. Zinedine has a close relationship with Varane. You can always see that. When I was watching Real Madrid games, you could always see there was a really healthy relationship with him and Varane. That's the first thing I would do. Now, if you're going for Laurent Blanc and you got him secured, I'd go for Adrian Rabiot at PSG. His contract's about to finish up. He's the perfect CDM. He's fast, he's nimble, he's creative, and he can replace that Matic character. Now, for Jardin, he likes the youth. He likes players that are creative as well, but he's a really youth-involved coach. And so then you're looking at players like Pereira, you're looking at Troy Zumenza, you're looking at Timothy Fozzi-Menza, you're looking at Transibi coming back. All these coaches will bring in these young talents back. But we're going to have to wait till 2019. Now on to Wednesday's game against Arsenal. I don't see a battering. Although the North London Derby, or Derby as you'd like to say, was a joke. And Aubameyang is the best striker in the world as far as I can see. I know Riccardi, I know there's Edison... Kane, and as, as I've previously stated, Lukaku is not a, even the top tier or second tier. He's a third tier striker at best. But that derby, the North London derby, meant something to me because the way they played. Umay Emre has got them firing all cylinders. He made the right substitutions when needed. He's got a healthy squad now. The big thing is for both sides is Ashley Young will miss and Granit Xhaka will miss. What does that also mean? Well, I also think that Paul Popper will be dropped because of the comments that have come out from the dressing room in the last 48 to 72 hours. For those who are unaware, Jose supposedly, and because we don't know where the league came from, stated that Paul Popper is a virus. What sort of madman says to the best player in France, because he's the best player, he won a World Cup, unlike what Jose will never be able to do. One of the top players in the world, regardless of his form, is inconsistent. And I know why he's inconsistent. And I know why he probably doesn't play well. It's because he plays against a tree trunk and someone that cannot pass forward. So if you're a creative flair player like Paul Popper, look at this as an example. For every single Jose in fan listening to this podcast, hit me up on Twitter at DJ Private J, okay? And give me the following. Why is it that Lingard, why is it that Rashford, Paul Popper, and if Valencia play better away from Old Trafford than when they play with Jose Mourinho? Simple question. Why is it that Paul Popper is one of the best in the world when he plays for France? Why does Marcus Rashford look like the premier young best young striker in the world when he plays for England? Why is it that Jesse Lingard plays superbly in midfield when he plays for England? Why does Valencia show command when he plays for Ecuador? But when they come back to Manchester United, they're... They're scrubs, basically. They're, they should be kicked out. They're viruses. They're the, well, that's because 
the person co-tiling them is Jose Mourinho, who is not fit to be a manager anymore. But it doesn't matter because Manchester United will not make that hard decision like Southampton did against Mark Hughes purely on the basis of revenue. Purely based on money. Because at the end of the day, it's going to cost them something along the lines of $20 million to get rid of him now if he doesn't survive the Champions League round, which they won't. They can get rid of him for $14 million. Simple as that. It is a difference of $6 million. The Glazers, Edward Wood, and the board are holding Manchester United's future up because of six measly million dollars when the club is the wealthiest club in football. How is that allowed to go on? Now, fans have been voicing their frustrations on all the different YouTube shows I watch. Full-time Devils, United Stand, you should definitely check those out. But really seriously, and all honestly, what I get from all fans, though, on social media and at the game when you see the fan cams, is that they are beyond caring. They don't need to get angry anymore. That's not what Manchester United is supposed to be. What will happen in the future? It is up for grabs. But on Wednesday night, I do not see Arsenal smacking Manchester United. Although it could happen, it will not be the death of Manchester United and Jose Mourinho. Because at the end of the day, the board won't make that decision. Even if, I expect, and my prediction is this right now. The boarding guy predicts that Arsenal will win 3-1. Two from Aubameyang, one from Lacazette. The only goal we will score, and I believe it or not, will come from Lukaku. And I'm not even laughing because it's so ridiculous. 3-1. And Manchester United, the next day... Still won't get rid of Jose Mourinho. You've been listening to the Born and Guard podcast. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We've got an episode tomorrow and the day after and the day after that. We're coming back. We're hopefully doing a show every single day. Um, that's all I can say. So thank you, thank you for listening.